I want you to go ahead and open to Luke chapter 1. It is the Christmas season, after all, and we are celebrating together um, over these next couple of weeks and these next couple of Sundays, many of the stories leading up um, to the birth of Jesus. If you do not know the message of Christmas, this is a season by which we are celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God. Um, many of us know God, and we know that this is a celebration of the demonstration of his love for us. And so we're going to be looking at several of the stories revolving around it, because this is more than just a story about Jesus coming to earth. This is a story about God instilling hope into our lives. And it's a story that continues to get played out in every one of our lives today because this isn't something that just happened 2,000 years ago and now has just morphed into Santa Claus and Christmas trees. But rather, this is a story and a reminder that even amidst darkness, even amidst seemingly abandonment in our lives, that God is still coming down and God is still pursuing. God is humbling himself to enter into our lives and to be a part of it. And not only that, the message of Christmas is the beginning of a ministry which Jesus would bring salvation, he would bring forgiveness, and he would bring healing and resurrection to our lives. And in the same way, Christmas, Jesus in our own lives is the beginning of a good work that he's doing that continues to bring fruit today. So I want us to look in Luke chapter 1 if you're already there. And we're going to look at two stories this morning surrounding miraculous births. Many of us know the birth of Jesus with Mary, um, but also there was the birth of his cousin named John the Baptist, which some of you have heard of. God was very intentional, if you look throughout Scripture and you read your Bible, to see that he prepared a way for Jesus to be known for all people. And so this morning, I want us to look at these two stories. And so will you follow along with me in verse 5? This is what it says. In the time of Herod, the king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah. Say Zechariah with me. Zechariah, character number one, who belonged to the priestly division of Abiah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Now, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division, speaking of him as a priest, serving before God in the temple, was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the customs of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. He goes into an inner room. People are worshiping outside. This is pretty business as usual for priests. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. Now when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Everybody say John. John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. 
he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. And the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time. Now meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he was staying so long in the temple. Then when he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them but remained unable to speak. Now when the time of his service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Continue with me. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, so the same Elizabeth with pregnant with John, God sent that same angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Everybody say Mary. Mary, did you know? The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her own age. Old age, not own age. I guess that's true. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered, and may your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Can you say amen with me? Thank you guys for following along with that. We'll walk through this story together. I know that this was a longer passage with a lot of amazing things. And while maybe you're someone who've heard this story before, but when you look at this, it's easy to look at both Zachariah and Mary as the main characters of this story. Of course, these are the two people that were visited by Gabriel the angel. These are the people who are being revealed that they're going to have child in their family. That's kind of a big news. Amen? Amen. If you found out you were having a child, it'd be big news too. Amen? Might be a big thing. But I want you to look at something in this story because it isn't just about them. It's about the main character of this story. And one of the main characters is an angel named Gabriel. Everybody say Gabriel with me. Oh, say it like you mean it. Gabriel. Gabriel, if you aren't familiar with scripture, was actually one of the main archangels. He was someone who would give messages on God's behalf. And interestingly enough, 
What you see from Gabriel is that long before John the Baptist came into the picture to pave a way for Jesus, and long before Jesus was born, that Gabriel was intentionally going forward and preparing a way, communicating that God is about to do something miraculous. Gabriel is one of the main people of this story because in two different circumstances, who's the main denominator? Him. I think this can speak a lot of different things, but one of the main takeaways from this, and even one of the main takeaways from this season, is simply that God wants to be known. Can you guys say that with me? God wants to be known. See, when we think about God, sometimes it's easy to think about Him as someone who's hiding in the corner, and when it comes to knowing Him, when it comes to pursuing Him, it's like, God, where are you? And He's like, Ah, you got me from behind the Christmas tree. And it's like, there he is, I found him. Or maybe you're someone who feels like, on a much more serious note, you're going through something in your life and you look at it and simply say, where is God? God's not in this right now. God doesn't care about me. If God actually cared and was pursuing me, he would be in this situation or seemingly do it this way. So one of the main questions that we will always have and maybe that we wrestle with is simply this. Does God want to be known by us? How does God feel about us? Because God is someone who demonstrated through Jesus in this season that he actually does want to be known. One of the most common questions that we get in our youth department is, you know, how can you know a God that's infinitely big and who created the universe? How could you possibly know that? Did you know that God knows that too? You know that God has thought about that question as well, and in a way answered that through Jesus by not only giving him to save us, but for us to know him personally. That's what makes Jesus so much greater and so much truer than any system of belief, because anyone can believe that there's some greater power out there, but it's in Jesus that there are hands and feet and a face to the very God that wants to be known that truly is out there. Amen? Jesus wants to be known by us. You know, if God wanted to create the world and then just say, and then spin it and then say, have at it. You guys have fun and figure it out on your own. God could do that. We would be left in a place of looking at stuff around us and going, you know what? I wonder if God really is out there. You know, this is some pretty beautiful stuff. Maybe someone created it. But you know, God isn't just leaving us to figure it out. Jesus stepped out of heaven into earth so we could say, See all your questions about who made this and what is going on in life are answered in me alone and in the person of me alone. God wants to be known by us. And as you can see from this story that the message is the same in both that Gabriel is coming to reveal an amazing thing of God, that we can all receive it in different ways. See, God might be revealing himself to us in our lives and be knocking at the door of our heart. But we all get to receive it in the way that we want to. And what you see between a priest named Zechariah and a virgin named Mary is that people can receive God in different ways. People can hear God in different ways and respond differently, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. See, it's the whole idea of someone speaking and listening. How many of you have someone in your life that you talk to and they get super distracted and you're like talking to them? And they're not paying attention to you. Does anybody have that in your life? Brother, sister, parent. You're like talking to them. You're like, yeah, so my day was this. And they're like looking off to the side. And you're like, 
So yeah, I robbed a bank and I punched my teacher in the face and then they're like, yeah, that's, that's awesome because they're not listening. You're like, mm, mm, learned all I need to know. Now imagine if you said, hey, you're not listening to me and they go, no, you're not speaking. It's like, I am speaking, dork. You know, like, it's not, just because you don't hear something doesn't necessarily mean that someone's not speaking. See, listening and the very art of speaking are two different things. So let me ask you something with God. Maybe you can't hear his voice. Maybe you feel like you don't hear him. You know what? God doesn't speak to me. Oh, you know what? I've never interacted with God in my life, so I'm pretty sure he's never going to. What if it was more about the way we listened than it was about, oh, God doesn't speak to me. Maybe he does. I guarantee you he does speak to us because God has made it clear that he wants to be known and that he wants to interact with us daily. You know, in Revelation 3, Jesus would say, here I am. He says, I am standing. Ben, can you put up that verse? Here I am. He says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. The picture that Jesus would paint, this is how Jesus would paint the picture to us. That he's someone that's like knocking at our door and that if we open it up, he's not going to come in and preach a sermon to us. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say that he comes in and gives us a bunch of rules. He says, I will come in and I'll eat with you. What does eating with someone mean? First of all, thank you. I like to eat. What it means is that God just wants to share in our daily lives and be in relationship with us. And God is the one knocking at our door, not the other way around. He doesn't say, you need to come up to heaven and knock at my door, but we need to go to him. God is someone who wants to be known by us, and he is pushing for us in that way. Do you guys know what I'm talking about when you interact with someone? Maybe it's someone in your life. Um, that could be over you. That's like, they're supposed to be in relationship with you, but you kind of just know that they're not. Like, they're there, but they're not necessarily there. It could be a parent. You know, it could be a teacher. It could be a coach. It could be a mentor in your life. You're like, yeah, they they say all the right things, but they don't necessarily want to be in relationship with me. You know, that's one of the things that we talk about. Actually, do you guys love your leaders in this room? We got some pretty amazing leaders around the room. You know, one of the things that we talk about a lot with our leadership, and we talk about what does it mean to invest in you guys, is this, is that it cannot be, they cannot take this message away. Stay with me, boys. Thank you. It cannot be that kids look at you and say, the only reason they're investing in me is because I'm a leader in junior high. That can't be the message that comes across to them. Or say, well, we're going to invest with you for an hour on Sunday, and then we're just going to ignore you the rest of the week. We do not want that message to come across because that's a conditional love message. Because what it speaks then is like, you don't really love me. You're just serving, and you're doing that. Sometimes we think of God in the same way. We're like, you know, maybe he just sort of like, God actually likes you. And God actually wants to be with you. And the things that you think are unimportant in your life are important to God. That's what faith is, is believing that God loves you more than you could ever love yourself or or more than you could ever imagine. And letting that play out in your life and in your faith. We see 
responses, and we, we, we get to make the decision about those responses in our own lives, just like we see with Zachariah and Mary. We see Zachariah, someone, it says that he was devout and he was devoted to prayer with his wife. He goes and he serves in the temple. He's just doing his normal priestly duties. He's going to church like we do. He's going through the motions. And all of a sudden, something different happens today. An angel serves up. How many of you, if you went to church, you went to a camp, or you went to go serve, or you were just going throughout your day, and all of a sudden, an angel showed up? Mm. It says that people would faint dead when they see angels as like, oh, because it was just so overwhelming. And yet here comes an angel and he speaks this incredible prophecy about his future. And yet Zachariah's response to him is, how can this be? He says, how is this going to happen? And I think that's such an interesting way to put it. In fact, in the NIV, it says, how can I be sure of this? Because my wife is well along in years and we don't have kids. You know, some people who are theologians think that he said that out of cynicism. Because he hadn't had a kid his entire life. And that was a really shameful thing to happen in that day and culture. And so, for the angel, an angel to come and say that. And he was like, are you really going to do that? And I think it's so funny because Gabriel, his response, what does he say? He says, I am Gabriel. Like his answer, he doesn't give an answer. He just says, I am Gabriel. That's the answer that you get to that question. He says, I stand in the presence of God. And in a way for our own lives, when we ask questions of God, the answer isn't some bullet answer. Oh, let me tell you, Zechariah, it's this is going to happen. Then this is going to happen. He says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in God's presence, and that is more than enough to know that this word that I spoke to you is going to come true. And for the same thing for our own lives is that we just got to know that God is God, amen? That he's the one, and because he is who he says he is, that it's going to come true. The other side of it is Mary, who is, you know, a virgin from Bethlehem, who would be mistaken as a prostitute, because of what would happen with Jesus because she was pregnant before birth. And there wasn't a lot of Holy Spirit inceptions up to that point. So isn't it ironic that in that day and culture that the priest, the priest was the one who didn't listen to God well, and Mary was the one who did. Because really what it means is that God is just looking for us to listen no matter who we are and where we come from. That's the real thing that God cares about is, are you going to listen to my word? So I have one point really simple this morning on top of everything, and it's this. If you're taking notes, listening to God means trusting how he fulfills his word, not just what it is. I'm going to say that one more time. Listening to God means trusting how he fulfills his word, not just what it is. See, there are two extremes when it comes to God's voice. How many of you want to hear God's voice in your life? How many of you want to obey God's voice in your life? Absolutely. I think that's something that, for the most part, we would all love to do, love to walk in fully. But did you know that we all have certain thoughts about how God is supposed to talk to us? And sometimes if that doesn't necessarily get fulfilled, we think God isn't talking to us. In fact, it's funny, the other day um, I was talking to a student And they were like, you should come speak at my school. And they said, you should speak that one message that made him cry. And she literally goes, make him cry, Jeff. (laughs) It's like, 
all right, you're all ugly. <laughs> Not like that, you know. But I want you to think about this for a minute. So does that mean if I make them cry, God is moving? Is that the only way that we understand God? So if they don't cry, God isn't moving? You could take it a step further. If you're not emotionally moved by something God says, does that mean God didn't speak it? See how we can make little assumptions about God's voice in our own lives? See, it's about how he fulfills it. And I think there are two different extremes. On one extreme, you could be that person who's like, how many of you ever heard, well, if you just hear it, you just have to believe it. You can't ask any questions whatsoever. There can be hints of knowledge that support it. That's what we talked about in our series about doubt and about trusting in God and learning why we believe in him. In fact, I think you see it in the story where an angel shows up and says, God is going to do something and here's what he's going to do. It's like, that's, that's a lot of knowledge. I can have some understanding of how that's going to happen. But did you notice that in both stories? Did you notice that in both stories, there was a point where it hit it hit, a, it hit a wall, and it was having a baby. Because both of them, one wasn't married, and the other one couldn't have kids. And they had to make a decision of whether they were going to move forward and trust God, even though they couldn't understand it. How many of you have ever heard the story in the Bible about Jesus um, threw the storm on a boat? I'll explain it anyways. Matthew chapter 8. Jesus um, is crossing the Sea of Galilee to go to a certain region. And he leads, what it says in Matthew 8 is that he leads them on a boat. It's not like the disciples got on and Jesus was like, wait for me. You know, he was the one that said, let's get on the boat and go to the other side. They get on a boat. It's in Matthew 8, 23 through 27. If you're taking notes, you can read it later this week. But they get on the boat and they hit a storm. Jesus is sleeping on the boat during the storm, which I have no idea how because I get super seasick. Do you guys ever get seasick? Oof, you're lucky. And they freak out to the point, what it would actually say in another um, gospel in Mark is that they looked at Jesus and they said, don't you care if we drown? There's like a point where they're on the boat and they're like, this is not going to work out. We're going to die here. And Jesus calms the storm and what it says in verse 26, as he says, you little faith. He says, why didn't you believe in me? You know, I think that story, while it is a picture of God's ability to oversee nature, I think it's also a picture of how we're supposed to follow him. Because I want you to think about this for a minute. You have your life. You are on one side of the sea, and you got to get to the other. It makes sense to get on a boat. Amen? Oh, well, yeah. Unless you can swim that far, but I don't think so. You get on it, it seems to make sense, and then all of a sudden you're in the middle of a storm. And you think you're going to drown. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute, boys. Thank you. I want you to think about this for a minute. Because if I was in that storm, going back and forth, my thought would be like, because it's a sea, we should have just taken the long road and walked around it if we were going to get over there. We should have just taken the extra time to walk because there was no storm. Jesus, if you're really God, didn't you know that there was going to be a storm? Yeah, he is God. Yeah, he does know. So let me ask you a question. If God knew that there was going to be a storm and that they could walk around, why did they get on the boat anyways? Because God wanted to show them that in the midst of a storm, when they thought all was lost and nothing humanly possible could save them, God could. 
so that they know that whenever they trust God, no matter what happens, God's word will never fail. I don't know about you, but if I was in the middle of that storm, I'd be ready to jump ship. I would rather be like, you know what, I'm not going to even try and do that if I knew that was going to come. We see that in this story as well. We see Zechariah going, okay, this is not going to happen. I'm off. I don't believe that this is going to happen unless I get some more information. We see Mary saying, I am the Lord's servant, and may your word be fulfilled, is what she says. See, it's interesting with Zechariah because what he does is he mutes him. He can't speak. How many of you have ever tried to go a day without speaking? It's a little tough. Try going nine months without talking. Whoa, just broke your mind. (laughs) Think about that for a minute. Here's someone whose last words are doubting God. He's saying, how can I really be sure of this? He is silenced before the Lord. He's quiet for nine months. Can you imagine the, the things that you would think if you were in his shoes? What would you think about through those nine months? I should have trusted the voice of God. I can't doubt now with my voice. What it would actually say later is that when they were naming John as a baby, everybody was ready to name him Zachariah after his family. And the wife, Elizabeth, says, no, his name is John. And everybody's shocked because they're like, no one in your family is named John. And it's not like us where we get to say, I'm going to name my kid Eli. You know, like it had a lot of family ties when it came to name. So to change the name was a big deal. And so they turned to him and he doesn't say his name should be John. He writes out his name is John. He has no name. And yet he says he does have a name because That is the name that Gabriel gave to him. What happened to Zechariah over that nine months is he realized that God's word was going to be fulfilled long before John ever did anything in his life. And something changed in his heart along the way. And it says that his voice came back and that he praised God. So isn't that funny that someone who would go into a time of no speaking, doubting, and through that what God worked in his heart, he came out praising God. See, God's word will never fail. That's what the angel would say at the end of talking with Mary. He says, for no word from God will ever fail. And now the question I guess I get to put in your guys' heart and in your lap this morning is simply this. What is your response going to be to God's word in your life? What about our lives? I'm going to invite the worship team back up. And you guys can go ahead and close your Bibles. Because we all face different things in our relationship with God. Maybe you know of God, knowledge-wise, but to trust God and to trust His words, what are the things that God has spoken over you in your life? What are the things that He's speaking to you right now? What are the things that He's bringing you through right now that seem hopeless in your life? Maybe you're someone in here that's like, you're hanging around the wrong friends and you know that you're not supposed to hang out with them anymore. And you go, but God, that looks like a hopeless situation if I do that. That looks like falling off the boat if I do that. But God is someone who is very much in it. And he says, don't you trust me? He says, ye of little faith and makes a way through it. Maybe you feel like God isn't going to show up in a certain area of your life, and yet God says, do you trust my word? Maybe you feel like Zachariah sometimes. I know I do. Well, I look at something and I go, how can I be sure of this? I just, I just need to be sure of it. And really the only assurance that we need in our lives is simply this, that God is God. 
and God is the one who spoke it. So whether it's speaking something over you, that you are loved and that you have a purpose for your life, that you're valued, that you're wanted, that you're more than enough, why can't those words be more than enough simply because God spoke it? Even though circumstances may not look that way right now, whatever that is, God is the one who's speaking and pursuing us. Maybe you're someone in this room that doesn't have a lot of people that are pursuing you just for you. And God is someone who's not just pursuing you to have your salvation to check a box. God is someone who's pursuing you because he loves you. That's the whole point of the season that we get to enter into is that God would sacrifice everything to come down to earth to be close to you and to stay close to you. Not to be close once and then pull away, but to stay close. So I want us to close our eyes right where we're at. God speaking and us listening are two different things. Maybe this morning you've been someone in this room that said, you know, God never speaks to me. But maybe the truth is that God is teaching you how to listen. So with eyes closed this morning, maybe you're someone that wants to learn how to listen to God's voice just because it's his voice. Maybe there are things that are clouding the way. Maybe past hurts. Maybe you're like Zachariah in the story and maybe his past hurts or past seemingly disappointments clouded his vision to doubt God. And you're in a similar place where you're going to say, you know what, Lord, I'm, I'm going to trust you because you said so. And that's the answer I need. That's you this morning. I want to pray with you. Maybe you're here this morning and you just, you just want to decide in your heart that you want to follow Jesus out of trust and you want to have the same heart as Mary did before the Lord. doesn't matter who you are or where you come from, but you're someone that says, I'm not, I'm not going to doubt God. I'm going to simply just say, I am the Lord's servant and may your will be done. And that's more than enough for you to live your life faithfully to him. And if that's you, I want to pray with you this morning too, that Jesus, we know that all we need is your word, that you're a God that pursues us. And Lord, we receive um, that truth. Lord, if we have misunderstood you and thought that you were just tolerating us, that you didn't love us fully, God, would you forgive us for thinking that because you do love us fully. God, you have a heart for us and you pursue us every day. God, you knock at our door every day. And Lord, we choose to let you in. God, whatever is keeping us from opening that door, Lord, we put aside because we want you to come into our lives. Lord, those areas that we think that you don't want, you actually do. God, we praise you for that. And God, we receive that this morning and we receive you as our Lord and our Savior and our God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray together. And everyone said...